Chapter 41, Betrayal Nix reminded herself to breathe. It wasn't easy with dozens of beautiful people staring at her. Nix had prepared for the music lesson, but Tiago hadn't warned her about this fireside, as he called it, probably because he knew she'd be too terrified to come. That's not true. Nix would have come anyway, but at least she could have planned what to say. A sea of thick-lashed dark eyes watched her. Nix had never seen so many devastatingly pretty people. Nix tucked her hair behind her ears and tried to smile. Thanks for letting me crash your family reunion. They all smiled. Even the kids. These people were like humans 2.0. Tiago asked me to talk a little about my near-death experience. Nix had no idea what she was supposed to tell the Padilla extended family. Previously, Nix had claimed not to remember anything. Was that all she was supposed to say? Maybe she could get Tiago to do the heavy lifting. Tiago? Nix said. Why don't you start from your perspective and I can chime in when I remember stuff? Remember stuff? Thirty seconds into the fireside and she was already talking like a third grader. Tiago stayed where he was, for which Nix was exceptionally grateful. It was hard enough to talk without him next to her. Well, Tiago said, most of you have heard the details about our crazy night at the hospital, but there was something I only told mum and dad. They suggested it might be nice to share with the family. That's part of the reason for this get-together, Mrs. Padilla said, but the much bigger part is to celebrate Diego's birthday. An adorable little boy with big ears grinned and looked around like he was welcoming everyone to his party. Tiago cleared his throat. <clears throat> Mum also thought it would be nice to invite Nix, since this is really her experience. Everyone looked at Nix. She started to nod, then changed it to a smile. She probably looked like she was having a seizure. Oh, I guess Nix had an asthma attack and didn't have her inhaler. You have it now, right? Nix smiled again. She really hoped that question had been rhetorical. Thankfully, Tiago moved on. Leo is the real hero. He saw she wasn't breathing, got her out of the car, and carried her into the hospital. A few people clapped. After a moment, Nix realized she should be clapping too. She got in a couple of claps before Mr. Padilla silenced everyone with flapping airplane arms. He looked at Tiago to continue. Anyway, I guess she'd been dead, uh, not breathing. It's okay, Nick said. I was dead. You can say it. She'd been dead for a while. No one seemed surprised by this. Clearly this wasn't news to the family. The thought that dozens of Tiago's family members had been talking about her gave her chills. The nurse was doing CPR, but the power went out and he had to go get something. A couple people glanced at Nick's as if waiting for verification. Or clarification. Nix pretended not to notice. Tiago continued. No one stepped in to keep doing the CPR, so I did, and this is going to sound weird, but her mouth was cold and it scared me. I realized I was going to lose my friend. Not that we were super close or anything, but we'd just spent the evening studying together, and he looked at Nix, whose face probably resembled a pepperoni pizza. When you were in the backyard, I told Jordan you were really funny and that I wondered why I'd never gotten to know you until now. One of the kids stuck a finger down his throat. His mom, one of Tiago's sisters, whispered a rebuke and pulled the boy onto her lap. Most of you know I wasn't sure if I wanted to go on a mission. Nix hit her confusion. What the flip was he talking about? While I was doing CPR, I was like, God, please let her live. If you bring her back, I promise I'll go on a mission. Nix kept her face impassive. 
She wasn't sure what a mission was or what it had to do with the afterlife, but she wasn't about to ask for an explanation, especially since Tiago, she abruptly realized, was crying. Not sobbing crying, but stealthy tears down the cheek crying, exactly like Fawn the night before. Wow, Nix had no idea Tiago was so in touch with his emotions. Not that it was a bad thing, especially if he was broken up about her death. Tiago cleared his throat. <clears throat> I heard a voice say, she will come back and it will be soon. Several hands went to mouths. Tiago's mom was smiling beatifically. His dad wiped at his eyes. Apparently the sensitivity was a family thing. Nix felt like she was being sucked into a vortex of guilt. Tiago and his family thought her return was a holy miracle. Although Nix hadn't meant to dupe them, the result was the same. She was allowing them to think she was some sort of saint. In reality, she was just a big liar. She woke up a few seconds afterward. The room fell silent, except for occasional sniffles. It wasn't until Mr. Padilla blew his nose that the mood lightened. Miss Padilla sighed dramatically to dispel the rest of the tension. Except for Nix, who knew what was coming. Phoenix, Mrs. Padilla said. Tiago said you didn't remember much, but I guess we were hoping some of it would have come back to you. Ah, oh, flip. How the heck was she supposed to follow that? The ethical thing to do would be to appear sorry and deny remembering any details, but all of them were hoping for a reaffirmation of their faith, not to mention confirm that Tiago wasn't making everything up. Well, she was already going to hell for lying. She might as well enjoy herself on the way down. Nix took a big breath, looked at Tiago, then began. I do remember a few things, now that I've had time to process it all. One of the kids clapped. The rest of the family looked at Nix as if she were about to make all their dreams come true. Well, Nix supposed she could confirm life after death for them. That's kind of a big deal, especially for religious people. When I died, I sort of floated through the roof of the car. I was still worried about Sarah, so I moved toward the hospital, but I wasn't walking. And I was moving really quickly. I knew I was dead, but I wasn't really that worried about it because being out of my body felt awesome. My body felt different, like I was older and thinner. Nix couldn't resist adding that last bit, let Tiago wonder what she'd look like as a skinny college student. One of the girls, maybe nine or ten, raised a hand. Do you have proof? There was a general outcry, but the girl said, No, I just mean for the kids at school, so if they don't believe me. Something you know that you couldn't unless you'd been there as a spirit. An attractive brown-haired man who obviously married into the family put a hand on the girl's shoulder. Alana, this isn't something that you should be sharing with anyone. It's Nix's special experience, and we are very lucky she's letting us hear it. That goes for everyone, Mr. Padilla said. Please don't talk about any of this with others. The more you speak of spiritual experiences, the less they begin to mean. Nix smiled, even though she kind of liked the idea of Padilla's all over the state talking about how cool she was. Go ahead, Nix, said Leo. Mrs. Padilla put an arm around Tiago. Well, I was super confused. I obviously wasn't used to flying through walls and ceilings and stuff. It took me a bit to find Sarah. About that time, I realized I couldn't actually do anything as a spirit. I couldn't talk to anyone. I couldn't help Sarah. Luckily, by that time, others were there to help her. But then Leo dragged me out of the elevator. Leo raised an eyebrow. Dragged? I totally carried you in my arms. He smiled to let her know he was kidding. Strictly speaking, Leo wasn't quite to the level of Tiago, but he did have a certain older guy charm that Nix found exceptionally attractive. Maybe if it didn't work out with Tiago. Go on, Tiago said. 
Nix immediately felt guilty for her disloyalty to the one true prince of Wood's Cross. Yeah, sorry, she said. So I felt bad that everyone at the hospital was freaking out, but I actually wasn't super excited about going back to being alive. Regular life is so boring compared to what comes after. But even though I wanted to stay and explore, I felt this strong pull, like I knew I was supposed to go back. I fought it for a while, but then it got really strong. Tiago smiled at her. And I saw a light over my body. Oh, Nix, what are you doing? It was like a slow-motion explosion of gold fireworks. It's official. She was shameless. But the expressions of wonder in the faces of those surrounding Nix smothered her guilt. It was like a sign from heaven. After that, I quit fighting to stay out. And let me tell you, going back into your body after being dead hurts like a son of a... One mother's eyes went wide. Like the worst pain you can possibly imagine times ten. Luckily, it was short, though. One of Tiago's older sisters wiped her cheeks clean, then stood and came at Nix with extended arms. Oh, no, she did not like hugs. Fat rolls were tolerable when hidden under layers of clothing, but when someone touched you, they could feel every unshapely shape. Her obvious reluctance didn't stop a dozen near strangers from putting their arms around her. The funny thing was that although the hugging was the most uncomfortable she'd been in a while, when it was all over... Her arms felt kind of empty. Maybe she shouldn't be such a baby about giving hugs. Apparently, the life-after-death fireside was the last thing on the family reunion agenda, because shortly afterward, people scurried around collecting shoes and jackets and salad bowls amid a cacophony of Spanglish. Many of them gave Nix another hug on the way out, which she accepted more graciously the second time. Now it was Mrs. Padilla crying about her kids and grandkids leaving. How did a woman who looked 30 have grandkids? Eventually, only six of them remained. Nix, said Mr. Padilla, I'm taking Oscar into town to rent some videos. Would you like us to drop you off? We can tie your bike to the back of the car. The seven-year-old scoffed. The DVDs, Dad, not videos. And what do you think DVD stands for, hombrecito? She can't go with you, Tiago said. She still has to give me my singing lesson. Leo made a face. In that case, I'm going with you, Poppy. I get the front, Oscar said. As if. Nick smiled and whispered to Tiago, Did your dad just say as if? Tiago smirked. Leo came in close to Nick's. He heard it in a movie recently. We can't tell if he likes the lingo, if he's making fun of our generation. That was the moment Nick's knew she would give everything she ever had or was to be a part of this family. Could she beg them to adopt her? Would they even want her? The thought of leaving their house stressed her out. Their home felt like a private Hawaiian island, beautiful, relaxing, full of tan people. Tiago wrinkled his nose. All cars eat gas. That doesn't even make sense. Nick shrugged. That's the way I learned it. I guess we could come up with something else. Tiago grinned, and Nick's almost fell off the edge of the bench. What had Mr. Cherry said? Tiago is fascinated by her. Maybe that could grow into something else. A-C-E-G, Tiago said. How about adventurous cats eat? Geckos? Nice. As usual, in order to maintain intelligent conversation, she had to keep her eyes completely off him. She stared at the book she'd borrowed from Beryl. The base clef lines are GBDFA, or Great Big Dogs Fight Animals. Lame. How about gorgeous blondes don't fear of anything? A few days ago, the reference to Sarah would have made Nick self-conscious, or more so anyway. But after sharing the afternoon with his extended family, Nix didn't feel quite so threatened by Sarah. 
Hijo, ven ahora mismo, a voice called from the backyard. A escaparo tu serpiente. Tiago jumped to his feet. Be right back. One of my nephews probably didn't latch the snake habitat. After Tiago left, Nix watched out the back window. Mrs. Padilla pushed a broom along the grass, apparently trying to get the snake to crawl onto it. Tiago's backyard was even better lit than Sarah's, and the stadium-like illumination made the sunset look like a burnt-out bulb. Tiago grabbed a trash can lid and banged on it as if to scare the reptile toward the broom. Why didn't they pick the thing up? Was it poisonous? Nix decided to go out and help them. She gave her hair a quick comb with her fingers and reached into her pocket for her lip gloss. Her hand touched something else. For a beautiful moment, she'd almost forgotten about the task that lay ahead of her. She opened the paper and for the hundredth time read the letter she'd found in Fawn's purse. If Tiago had written it, he was a liar and the cruelest of fifteen-year-old boys. If it was a forgery, Tiago was innocent, and the two of them could put their heads together to figure out what was going on. Nix prayed for the latter, but couldn't quite bring herself to confront Tiago about it. Jordan probably would have known from memory whether it matched Tiago's handwriting. But Nix thought it best not to involve Jordan's freak recall unless absolutely necessary. Nix told herself her silence was to protect Tiago's privacy, but she knew that wasn't the real reason. If it turned out that Tiago was guilty, Nix wanted to have the option of keeping his secret. She'd been debating this in her mind for the last two days. Sharing another secret with Tiago would no doubt strengthen their growing bond, but would she really want to be with someone who could do something so terrible? Could she really pretend she didn't know, just to have a beautiful boyfriend? The fact that she didn't know the answer to that question worried her. Outside, Tiago and his mother had chased the snake almost to the end of the grass, where the yard met the forest floor. Nix knew she'd never have a better chance. She thrust the letter into her pocket and began a frantic search for something Tiago might have written. A note to a family member, a to-do list, anything she could compare to the letter. After riffling through papers in the kitchen and living room without success, Nix glanced outside. Mrs. Padilla sat on the grass while Tiago shepherded the snake back toward the house. Any minute he would succeed in catching it and her time would be up. It didn't take long to find Tiago's room. It was the one with the enormous birdcage containing a single decrepit pigeon. She spotted Tiago's backpack right away and dumped out the contents on the bed. Two school books and a notebook. Nix felt a wave of relief at the sight of the spiral-bound pad, but her relief turned to irritation when she opened it. The notebook was completely empty, not even so much as a doodle. Nick stuffed the things back into her bag. School had started three weeks ago. She was going to have to give Tiago a lecture on the importance of taking notes in class. She scanned the room for another notebook, but the only thing she saw was a small bookshelf built into the headboard of his bed. In it were several comics, a few religious tomes, various middle-grade fiction, Matilda was among them, a how-to-care-for-your-rodent guide, and a thin tan book with silver writing on the spine, which identified it as a receptacle of all Tiago's private thoughts and feelings. Nix didn't know boys even kept diaries. Her heart accelerated. She couldn't. She wouldn't invade Tiago's privacy. She would just have to wait until Monday and look at one of his assignments. Or maybe she could have him write down the treble in bass clef phrases. But for some reason, Nix was still reaching for the journal. It would only take a quick peek. She didn't even need to read anything. Simply check the slant of the letters, the way he wrote his name. It wouldn't be invading anything. Nix listened to make sure the house was still silent, and then, with a trembling hand, grabbed the journal from the shelf and let it fall open. 
To Nix's credit, she did try very hard not to read the words. Unfortunately, she learned that whether one is trying to invade someone's privacy or not, one's brain doesn't know the difference. Her eye caught a passage written in green ink that spoke of an annoying kid he'd met at scout camp. Nix pulled out the letter and held it next to the journal. Her first observation was that the writing in the journal was larger and not quite as well-formed. Nix looked at the date. The journal entry was four years ago, a different scout camp then. Tiago must have been 11. She needed something more recent. She turned to the middle of the book and Sarah Hainsworth's name popped out in black. Nix tried to just compare the shape of the words, but she couldn't help noticing all the adjectives Tiago had used to describe Sarah. They were very complimentary, to say the least. As far as the handwriting, Nix noticed very little similarity with the note. She supposed he could have tried to change his printing style, but then why sign his name? This seemed much more like someone was trying to frame Tiago. Then a thought occurred to her. The real evidence of his innocence would be found in his latest journal entries, especially if he wrote about his breakup with Fawn. Once again, Nix listened for sounds in the other room. It was silent, but she knew she didn't have much time. With a whispered sorry to Tiago, she flipped to the final entry. It was dated two days ago. Feeling a tidal wave of guilt, anxiety, and anticipation, Nix read, Man, I have so much to write. These last few days have been a blur. To start with, on Tuesday night, Mr. Hainsworth called looking for Sarah. She'd gone missing. I was over at Jordan's with Nix, and of course, we all flipped out, thinking Pedohead had kidnapped her. Nix paused and reread the last line. The fact that he didn't have to introduce her meant he had talked about her earlier in his journal. Nix felt flushed. How much had he written about her? What had he said? Cheers came from the backyard. Tiago must have gotten the snake back into the aquarium. Nix quickly scanned the rest of the entry and stopped when she spotted her name again. Carrying Nix. She was dead. No pulse. Nothing. Apparently she has some sort of serious asthma problem. When the doctors were rushing around trying to find the electric shocker thingies, I did CPR on her and saved her. It was the most amazing experience of my life. When the doctors saw her sitting up, they were like, what did you do? A sound startled Nix. But it was only the pigeon pecking at its water dish. I'm really starting to get along with Nix. Even though she's bigger, she's super funny, like Jordan, and she's got these amazing blue eyes. It's weird. Ever since I saved her life, I feel kind of protective of her. I never would have thought, Oh, here you are. Nix went rigid. We finally got that snake. Mrs. Padilla said from the doorway. Tioga wanted me to send you out to help him play zookeeper. Nix covered the journal with a casual shift of her weight. Okay, I'll be right out. I think I'm going to order pizza for dinner. Sounds great. After Mrs. Padilla left, Nix nearly collapsed with relief. It would have been her own dumb fault if she'd been caught. She was tempted to finish the entry before she left Tiago's room, but her conscience wouldn't allow it. A part of her had known all along that Tiago could never have written the letter, Nix hastily closed the journal and slid it back into the bookshelf. Then, with weak legs, Nix went outside to find the most beautiful boy in the world, who also happened to appreciate her eyes. Outside, with a pair of flashlights, Tiago introduced her to his babies. There was Mopsy, a cat that dragged its back legs when it walked, and Mrs. Clucks, a chicken that had lost all but a few of her feathers. Her nudity is a badge of honor, Tiago said with laughter in his eyes. The opossums around here are brazen. One got into the coop to steal eggs, but Mrs. Clucks went at it. She nearly didn't survive the encounter. A heroic chicken? 
I love it. And I guess that explains why all the trash cans have cinder blocks on them. Not that it helps much. The raccoons and opossums are sometimes big enough to knock the whole can over. So you can say possum or opossum, right? Means the same thing? Tiago kicked a concrete step to get mud off his shoes. Actually, they're different. Around here, they're opossums. I think possums are only in Australia or something. You need to be a park ranger. Next on the tour was a pair of squirrels named Wallace and Winsome. She helped Tiago fill their food dishes with green pellets. One was missing an eye. The other had no tail. Did Wallace and Winsome get in a fight with an opossum too? No. Mopsy somehow wiggled her way into their cage. I'd actually been thinking about putting her down before that. But I figured if a paralyzed cat's still got that much fight left in her, she's got a right to live. Nick smiled. The way Tiago cared for his animals was incredibly endearing. It almost made her sad she'd freed her own cats. The troublesome snake glared at them as they passed. Is he poisonous? Nix asked. I mean, because you guys seemed careful not to touch it. Neither of us can stand snakes, Tiago said a little sheepishly. Slytherin belongs to Oscar. Nix chuckled. Tiago smiled, as if pleased he'd made her laugh. Let's go inside and I'll introduce you to Lemuel. He's my brain-damaged pigeon. Back in Tiago's room, he showed Nix how to fill Lemuel's container of seed. How do you know he's brain damaged? Nix asked. Aren't pigeons kind of stupid anyway? He hit our front window pretty hard last summer. Now every time he tries to fly, he kind of falls backward. We took him to the vet and he said its body is healthy, so it must be his brain. Sometimes he sticks his whole head in the water like he's forgotten how to drink. What would it be like to have enough money to take random birds to the vet? When Mrs. Wax's cats were injured or dying, they usually got the shovel treatment. That's sad, Nick said, to have your mind and your ability to fly taken away in the same day. Tiago shot her an approving smile. It was almost like he was saying, you get it. But as he shut the cage, he glanced toward his bed and his expression changed. Mom, Oscar's been in my room again. It only took a moment for Mrs. Padilla to appear in the doorway. What did you say, Cariño? Oscar's been snooping around my stuff. My journal's in the wrong place. Nix's stomach turned to tar. Oscar's been with Poppy all day, Mrs. Padilla said. Tiago narrowed his eyes at his mother. Mrs. Padilla laughed. It wasn't me. The only time I came in here was to get Nix. His mother's smile disappeared as she seemed to realize what she'd just said. I'll go order dinner. Tiago looked at Nix, his eyebrows creased. Nix wished there was some way she could be on the other side of the earth, preferably at the bottom of an ocean. I, uh, I needed a sample of your handwriting. Tiago stared at her. Nix reached into her pocket and brought out the crumpled letter. I know you didn't write this, but I had to make sure. Tiago read it. Sweat beaded under Nix's eyebrows. I'm sorry I read in your journal. It wasn't my intention to. Where did you get this? Tiago asked in a soft voice. The note? It came from Fawn's purse. I found it when all her stuff spilled out in the parking lot. So why didn't you show it to me then? Nix took a breath. At least Tiago didn't seem angry. Perhaps things weren't as bad as she feared. When I first read it, I looked over at you and you were kind of staring at me. I actually thought you saw me reading it and knew what it was. I was thinking that it was really nice of you to pick up Fawn's stuff for her, and that Jordan had gone too far with his cricket prank. I thought that too. Nix's anxiety faded slightly. But that doesn't explain why you went behind my back to look at my handwriting when you could have asked me. Behind my back? It sounded so awful when he put it like that. Couldn't he see she was doing him a favor by not publicizing it? 
She felt smaller with every word he said. You're right. I should have come to you first. I didn't even tell Jordan because... Because what? I was trying to protect you. Tiago went silent for a long while. When he spoke, his voice was barely over a whisper. Nix, I don't mind so much that you went snooping in my room, or even that you read my journal. What really bothers me is that you thought I could have written this letter. I didn't, not really. I just wanted to... If you knew me at all, you wouldn't have had to make sure. Nix felt her forehead grow warm, and she knew it probably looked like she was breaking out in hives. What part did you read? Tiago asked casually, as if he were simply curious. I saw something about scout camp and something you wrote about Sarah. Is that all? Nix wanted nothing more than to nod, but she couldn't. After all she had already done to him, she couldn't lie to his face. I read your last entry about breaking up with Fawn, and that about my eyes. Tiago's face seemed to fold in on itself. Nix knew she would never forgive herself for the hurt that was etched in every line of his expression. She wanted to apologize again, but the words would only sound trite and meaningless. Instead, she covered her face like a child to display how mortified she was. It's okay, Tiago said. It's not a big deal. But his voice told a different story. Nix kept her hot face in her hands, wishing he would scream at her. She knew he must be feeling it. Having him pretend not to care was somehow worse. They needed to get their feelings out in the open so they could work through them. Nix was about to apologize again when Tiago spoke. I think I'm done for today. Nix grimaced. Done? With learning to read music. Oh. Nix swallowed her question. This was obviously Tiago's polite way of telling her to go home. I'll go get my bike. Tiago didn't object. At that moment, something broke inside her. Something she knew would never be repaired. She quickly left Tiago's room before he could see her tears. Stupid, bumbling idiot. She had come so close to getting everything she'd ever wanted, only to throw it all away with a single, devastating mistake. She crept soundlessly out the front door, relieved Mrs. Padilla didn't call her back or ask where she was going. In the darkness, Nix righted her bike and walked it to the road. Burrs bit at her ankles, but she didn't pull them off her socks. She welcomed the well-deserved pain, but it didn't provide much of a distraction. She couldn't forget the betrayal in Tiago's eyes, the worst part was that Nix hadn't even read the whole entry. She'd paid the full price, but still hadn't figured out exactly how he felt about her. Not that it mattered now. She wiped at her cheeks and mounted the tiny pink bike. She desperately hoped Tiago wasn't watching out his window. She could only imagine how ridiculous she looked. An overweight teenager on a nine-year-old's bike. She didn't know why she hadn't thought to borrow Jordan's bike instead of Amy's. The bike had a light, but the batteries were low, and it switched off every five minutes. And now, on top of everything, she was going to be late getting back to the Cherries. Would they punish her for coming in after curfew? Nix had been certain Mrs. Padilla would offer her a ride into town, which is why she hadn't rushed the music lesson. Nix, right up! Nix crashed into a patch of weeds. With one foot still tangled in the pedal, she twisted to see Tiago at the edge of the yard. Had he changed his mind? Maybe his mom had convinced him the whole thing wasn't a big deal. Sarah called. Someone just broke into her house, wearing a pillowcase. Nix's self-pity evaporated. Is he still in there with her? He ran off into the woods. My mom's going to take me up there right now. You want to come? Of course. But as Nix jogged the bike back up toward the house, an idea occurred to her. Did she say how long ago he ran off? She made it sound like it all happened a few minutes ago. Nix hesitated. There was a better way to do this. 
Actually, I'm going to take a look around in the forest, see if I can catch a glimpse of him. It's dark, Tiago said. The forest is huge, plus there's poison ivy everywhere, not to mention ticks. Nix dropped her bike on his lawn and walked toward the trees, or hobbled, since she hadn't fully recovered from her tumble into the weeds. Yeah, but I won't be able to help much at Sarah's either. I'll just take a quick look around your property. I see pretty well at night. Tiago gave her a look that clearly questioned her sanity. The garage door opened and the Hummer pulled out. Be careful, Tiago called to Nix. As soon as the black beast disappeared up the road, Nix scanned her surroundings. She needed a place to die. She didn't want to sneak back into Tiago's house. What if they returned for something? She could find a secluded spot in the woods, but the thought of snakes and bugs exploring her body made her hair follicles tremble. Maybe the Padillas had a reclining lawn chair or something in the backyard. She plodded around the huge brick fortress, but the only lawn furniture she found was a wicker chair she didn't trust to hold her weight. She was about to lay on the grass when she noticed a treehouse above her. Perfect. Nix raced to the end of the yard and found the wooden planks that had been nailed to the tree as footholds. She was glad no one was around to see her struggle up the trunk. Each time she caught herself resting, she spurred herself forward. For every second she spent huffing, Pillowhead would be that much further away. Finally, Nix emerged through the trapdoor and collapsed onto the floor of the large wooden structure. Now for the easy part. Nix took a deep breath. By this point, she was fairly efficient at killing herself. Once out, she shot high above the canopy. The Abendroth place was easy enough to spot at the top of the hill, but it took a little more searching to find Sarah's white mansion among the trees. As soon as she'd found it, she circled the surrounding forest. With each lap, she enlarged her search radius, and by the time she saw the black Hummer pull into Sarah's driveway, she had scoured nearly the entire upper half of the hill. Was Pillowhead hiding? Maybe he had parked a car nearby? Nix thought about calling for Belly and seeing if he had seen anything, but decided he was too unpredictable. She could do another scan of the woods. She probably had a couple minutes left, but she needed to be smart about it. If she were a burglar caught in the act, where would she go? There wasn't much at the top of the hill. Pillowhead wouldn't want to hide in the woods all night, but he wouldn't want to travel on the road, too visible. Nix started at Sarah's house and made her way through the trees, looking for signs that anyone had been that way. Although she could see clearly in the dark, she was definitely not a tracker. For the first time in living memory, she wished her dad were there. As a father, he was a failure, but with the amount of hunting he did, he must have some idea how to track an animal. A spasm of intense wrongness erased all thought from her mind. It wasn't a warning or a premonition. It was an all-consuming assurance that the very worst thing that could happen was happening at that very moment. Although she felt no physical pain, the emotional maelstrom was akin to watching a surgeon remove her vital organs. Pillowhead didn't matter. Nothing mattered except finding the cause of her spiritual convulsing and ending it. In a fraction of a second, Nix stood over her body. It took a moment to realize what she was seeing and why there was so much blood. Two dog-sized rodents were chewing on her face. <laughs>